0: Welcome to the A2 The Show podcast. Today we have a special guest from the USA, Ali Musa, or yeah. Ali Musa. Oh, yeah, yeah, welcome from the Ali USA podcast. Yes. And he's a comedian in Austin, Texas. And he kind of looks like these two guys if they were combined.
1: Oh my God, you did a printout in everything. Dude, I've been using that as an opener on stage a lot lately now. Just the love child of Muammar Gaddafi and Danny Trejo. <laughs> and, that's so accurate. <laughs> oh my God. That was Makes a nice sense. printout, too. You, you got like the expensive paper for that one. <laughs> exactly. Show him your printer, Adi. Wow. Show him your beautiful printer. Yeah, Eddie. so I have a idea. printer
0: right here right now. This is oh a new upgrade gosh. to the studio. So I got printing on demand.
1: Wow. let I need to get that framed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start using... <laughs> Danny Trejo and Momar i Gadda- Someone needs to do an AI fusion of the two, and that'll be my new headshot <laughs> on all my flyers.
2: <laughs> oh for my your next God. special, you just use that as your cover photo. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm gonna start sending that out to bookers because they always ask for like a headshot and a bio, and I'm just gonna send that instead.
0: You should AI <laughs> yeah, yeah, mix it up, <laughs> right? So, uh, how's your Halloween going so far? It's the October it's, season. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's been it's been fun. You know, it's you know a couple more weeks till actual halloween i don't know if i'm gonna dress as anything you know i just i wear horror movie t-shirts and i have a lot of halloween related jokes lately that i only do this time of year so you know i enjoy it for that
2: okay what, what was the last thing you wore like last year
1: um last time i like wore a costume yeah i was Jon snow from game of thrones okay oh, fuck yeah yeah. <laughs> it yeah it was yeah, an yeah. expensive costume too like it has like 10 different pieces. It was hard to put on and just like you construct your breathing and everything. It was, it was tough. It was super f- hot, too. Because I was in Arizona, <laughs> Wait, and it's still 112 breathing? degrees in October in Arizona. I'm walking around wow. in layered costume. I went on stage, too, and was doing comedy as mm-hmm. Jon Snow.
0: Wow, Jon Snow more like Jon Sand, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> yeah. right? I'm sorry. but <laughs> The Halloween thing has really fucked me up, honestly, because I've been watching too many horror movies. Yeah. And I really try to not engage with Satanism in general. But then, right. because of this Halloween stuff, I've been watching too many scary movies and my brain's been getting a lot like I've been scared a lot more. Like, right. literally, the other day, I, I went into my room, the lights were off. I heard a noise and I was like, ah! And I was screaming. And it was just a cat. It literally was oh just a cat gosh. the whole time. I know? have
1: cats too. I, I deal with that all the time. They'll, they'll knock over something in the middle of the night. <laughs> And I think Michael Myers is in my apartment and I'm just like, oh, it's just the cat on the counter again.
0: Yeah, that's pretty freaky. Yeah, and so I've been I don't know why, it just it's so dark, you know what I mean? And right, I'm glad right. it's only for October because I can't do it the whole year round because I've been having so many nightmares, like actual nightmares. I've been doing a bit of research also into the like the Satanism yeah. practices. And it's so scary, man. They skin you and then they like turn into leather products and then they like, you know. What is this rabbit hole
2: of evil shit that (laughs) you would watch? (laughs) I know, I'm scared, dude. That's a big thing
1: in movies now, too. This whole satanic cult thing seems to be a theme. (laughs) There's a bunch of new movies that are just going with that right now. So, what's your favorite horror movie then? Favorite horror movie? I really like A Nightmare on Elm Street which I think Freddy Krueger is the Michael Jordan of horror villains. So the Mm. movies themselves aren't necessarily the greatest thing ever, but Freddy himself is like, I'm like, I I treated Freddy Krueger like people treated Batman and Superman growing up where like, you're you're not supposed to like him like that, but I would, I thought he was cool. So.
0: Oh, he was your hero.
1: Yeah, kind of. He low key was, (laughs) I was just like, you know, people like power Rangers. I liked Freddy Krueger.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So wait, it's, as a comedian do you actually also like to scare people like how is that work about yeah working? well i
1: mean yeah we used to we used to do pranks all the time like uh mm. remember when, like jackass was popular and just, like just prank shows on the internet we used to just hide and record ourselves like startling people in public and stuff so way before tiktok way before that became a thing like yeah we'd always wear like a wear like a halloween mask and jump out when people are just walking and stuff so did you yeah, ever try the
2: Allahu Akbar prank or? <laughs>
1: uh, no. That, is cra- that dude who throws the backpack in like a middle of a Whole Foods. He's just like Allahu Akbar. And th- I'm just like, bro. I mean, and then they get shot and then the people just get off with like no charges at all. It was like, well, yeah, they oh, thought that, you threw yeah. a fucking bomb at him. Like, <laughs> I heard some dude yeah. get shot at a mall recently doing something like that. Really? Yeah yeah and like it's, I forget where it was, but some guy got shot some youtuber who's very popular was doing some prank, following people around and a guy shot him, and I know like my friends like he's like uh my my sister's boyfriend's Son's friend shot this dude, so I was like, "Oh, you're that connected to the guy?" Are we gonna
2: go <laughs> bro. Wait, the guy who shot him sounds like an Arab. It was Like with the, with all these connections, yeah, I, I, I think he, I think he was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I run away from my country, not for it to follow me. I don't want bombs to follow me. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Jeez! Oh my god! Yeah. Uh-
0: Ali, um, how, uh, your family's from, They're from Libya. Libya.
2: Yes. Libya. Yeah.
0: How my Libyan dad is there are...
1: currently. I, I'm oh, half wow. Libyan. So I'm not like okay. the full, I'm not the full deal. I'm half white, uh, half Libyan. So my dad is Libyan. My mom is white. And, um, yeah, but I grew up Muslim and just, you know, lived in that whole world. So I identify with that a little bit more, you know, going to the mosque as a kid and just. You know the way yeah. the Muslim community is, just like so many get-togethers with other families
2: and stuff. That's, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, you had the, you had exposure to both cultures growing up. Though, yeah. Because your oh, yeah. mom. So and how did you balance that out?
1: I mean, it was it was funny though because like you're not really supposed to celebrate Christmas, you <laughs> yeah. know but we kind of did like secretly and i remember one time we had a, a bunch of people coming over and my dad made us hide the christmas tree and he put it it was like a cartoon like he shoved it in like a closet and couldn't get the door shut so i was like if someone opens that it's going to come falling on top of them and i remember someone was going to like one of the kids was going to open the closet he's like no 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 no, don't, don't get in there don't go in there <laughs> <laughs>
0: And was so, it, yeah, was your dad pro-Christmas or anti-Christmas? Like, did you have to hide it from him or no?
1: No, he was he was fine with it, but uh, mm-hmm. he didn't want other people to know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a secret. <laughs> but I knew secret, other Libyans. Secret Nana. Were, Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. I knew other Libyans that kind of celebrated it too, just like it wasn't like, you know, they're not going to go singing mm-hmm. Christmas carols, but they'll buy presents and
2: just be like, it's fun, just like Thanksgiving, you know, it's like. hmm it's the whole concept of the, the gathering, you know, it's like just also we, that you mentioned in Muslim culture that there's a lot of family gatherings that, uh, that occur. Christmas. Yeah, a lot of people,
1: thing. a lot of people don't understand that. Like we, we used to, we used to drive all the way to like San Francisco or El Paso, Texas, just to go for the weekend to hang out at another Libyan family's house. And uh, just like oh, people wow. that, my, yeah, it's people like my dad grew up with in Tripoli and stuff. And uh, yeah, we we basically were family. There's a, a bunch of Libyan families where I'm just like, they were, you know, kind of considered almost siblings in a sense. We would just see each other so much.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a large community. Uh, Libyan community in uh, Texas? Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I haven't met a lot of Libyans out here. I'm sure there might be, but there's not a lot of Libyans in general. I think there's like 7 million in the world. So it's just like, it's hard to oh. come by actually. Um, there's a lot of Muslims and, you know, people from the Middle East out here though, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I me and we were Lebanese. Actually, okay, I together. get mistaken
1: yeah. for being Lebanese all the time because you know <laughs> Libya. So, like, people I've known for ten years, they'll like bring me on stage. This next guy's from Lebanon. I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just like it's that's kind of in a different continent, but fine, you know, mm-hmm. like
0: this next guy's from this next guy's from lesbian.
1: Right, it's right. Or from, or from Labia, or you know just... <laughs> Labia.
2: I've gotten that. <laughs> Trying to find the clip, bro. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's it's funny, man. Like for us as well, like we're such a very we're a very small country. It's just mm-hmm. four million Lebanese people in the country, and then you'll find right. Lebanese people around the world we amount to maybe twenty million. Right. In the diaspora. Right. It's insane. Like whatever country I visit, I always find up finding a Lebanese person. So it's, yeah, it's just curious. Like it makes me curious. Like are we secretly invading the world or what's going on? Right. <laughs> there's so much more outside of the country. Just people move and just, you know,
1: populate elsewhere. And just over the years, <laughs> they just, you know, I've only met two other Libyan comedians. I've been doing stand up for 12 years. I've only met two. Wow. So that just, and one of them was is, is half Libyan like me as well yeah does it give you an um, edge being half, right. like you know i
2: mean what do you mean by an edge well obviously if you're just from libya if you're fully libyan most probably your perspective would just have a libyan perspective but then when right. you mix it with the white culture you can also connect with like white culture that that is obviously that the majority in the U S so you can kind of like connect the immigrants with the white culture in the U S. So I don't know if that.
1: Yeah. I do jokes like that too. How I'm like, I'm half white trash, half terrorist, you know, just, (laughs) 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 so yeah, I, I make, you know, make fun of it a little bit. And, um, but yeah, I basically, you know, I'm an American grew up in Arizona, but you know, like I said, I was raised Muslim and around just the Muslim community going to the mosque. So I see both sides. You know,
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been to Libya, or would you want to go to? I haven't,
1: but um, I had a chance to go several times when I was younger. My sister basically lived there for a long time, who's younger than me, and my mom was there for for a long time too. And I don't know. I always had like a job just during my teenage years, and just as I got older, I was gonna go, and then everything just got destabilized there. As you know, mm-hmm. I think it was like 2011, everything went crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I just never got a chance to go out there.
0: You want to yeah, visit, with- but not during war. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, ex- mm-hmm. exactly. Like, yeah, my dad is out there several months out of the year and he just sends me stuff. He's like, my neighbors got bombed and he'll literally send me a photo of like a bowling
2: ball sized hole in some oh, like fuck. apartment next to him. Mm. Also, wouldn't That's it like... be more dangerous for you? Cause like they'd probably mistake you for someone else. It's possible. Specifically, specifically who? Muammar <laughs> Gaddafi. Right. Like, Did, didn't we kill you? What are you doing here? <laughs>
1: you know? It's like, we'll yeah. do it again.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's resurrected himself.
2: <laughs> and then they just uh, anoint you as president. You're like, oh, no, right. no, we cannot I'm kill like, him.
1: like, this ain't too shabby, you know? Because he was like the richest man in Africa, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's not a bad thing no, to have. <laughs> no, I, I told a joke about that because if you google like who's like the richest dictator ever, like they said Muammar Gaddafi had like you like you couldn't measure his net worth because he had so much money and like gold and oil and then I was like that's crazy. Then I googled who's the richest man that's ever existed and it's an African king named Mansa Musa. So I'm like the two oh. richest people of all time One is Libyan, the other has my name. Meanwhile, I overdrafted my debit card the other day on toll road fees. So, you know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess it's just a sign, man. You you gotta go to Libya. Right, yeah. I think
1: it's it's my calling to go and take over.
0: (laughs) You might be the funniest comedian in Libya right now.
1: I mean, my dad's pretty funny, actually. But yeah, I would say I'm in. I I say I'd be in the top five if I went.
3: <laughs> Did your What'd dad you do of... stand
0: up at all, or no? Oh yeah. Go for no, all, go for
1: not him. at all. He's super funny, but he never, <clears throat> you know, he's good with impressions and voices and just, you know, super smart. My dad speaks like six languages, and you know, he's
0: wow has like three degrees, Whoa.
1: going to different universities in the United States and in Tripoli. So he's a way more successful person than me. I'm surprised he hasn't disowned me at this point. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's, it's interesting when like you have parents that are just, they've done so much in their life and then their children's paths is just so different from them. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like these expectations are just placed on you. And then you realize that it's, that's not exactly true. It's just, your path is just completely different from what they have done in their lives.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And especially when you say you're going to be a stand-up comedian, that's just like, that's for people on TV. You know, it's like, what are you, that's like saying I'm going to be a professional wrestler. It's like, no one actually does that, you know, like, yeah, it's out there, but it's such a minuscule possibility. You know, you know, you know, it seems silly. Like I'm going to be a cowboy. It's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Have you tried being a cowboy before? (laughs) <laughs> i should i'm in texas why not and <laughs> <laughs> nobody for a, a funny, while he was just like when are you gonna get a real job and then you know once he saw me like actually getting somewhere in it he was he was cool with it you know my mom's always been accepting of it you know
0: when did you come out as a comedian i love you to
1: come out <laughs> like i came out of the closet like
0: I'm gay, <laughs> just like the Christmas tree, <laughs> right? Yeah, there
1: you go. Callback. Um, I mean, maybe, I mean, they knew that I was doing open mics and stuff. So, like, I was like, I'm doing stand up. So, you know, and um, once I started getting booked and everything, and then in order to get successful at stand up, you have to like be all in. So you have to sacrifice mm-hmm. having. You have to sacrifice a, a series of things. It's like. Having a normal, you know, how many jobs I quit just to do like a gig that paid twenty dollars or nothing. I'm like, I have like a part time job at a grocery store, you know. I'm in my early 20s, so you know, it does enough to pay the bills, kind of. And I'll just not show up because, like, oh, I have a show on Friday night, so I'm just, I ask if I can get that day off. They say no, and I just quit the job. I've done that like five, (laughs) six times where I just quit a job entirely just to continue to do comedy for almost no money at, at the time. You know, they say you got to put in like 10 years and there's, there's major exceptions, especially in today's uh, internet growth, where mm-hmm. if you just go viral and you're funny and someone sees you and likes you, you can, you can, uh, that's why it's crazy because someone could be doing comedy for 15 years. They've never got a break. And then someone's been doing comedy for a year and they catch a break, but that's what makes it exciting. That the fact that there's no rules, you know, mm-hmm. there's no set You think path.
2: it's a bit like gambling then?
1: I mean, sometimes it's like winning the lottery. So a little bit. You know, yeah, there's some people that just are in the right place at the right time. And, you know, they it's like, yeah, like it's equivalent to just
2: be getting like super lucky.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Is that I why kinda, you, yeah, yeah, I just wanted I, to go follow up go on that decide. with the, the Kill Tony, uh, Yeah. situation. Is that what you're aiming for when you're hopping on a Kill Tony?
1: Yeah, it's just, um, I like the, the show and the format, and uh, it's just being here in, in Austin. Like, I wouldn't be like some of these lunatics that literally travel from Europe to, to, to get on Kill Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and they've never done comedy either. I understand if you're less like, I want to visit the United States, I want to go to Austin and, and see stand-up. And then you, you're there, so you sign up. But I know people, I've talked to people that specifically, like, <laughs> travel from all over the world just to do Kill Tony, and they've never done stand-up. I'm like, you're going to get humiliated. Wow you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. He doesn't like that. Yeah, exactly. No,
1: no. (laughs) So yeah, I feel like it's a way to boost, you know, what I've been doing and who I am. So, um, Mm -hmm. and it's a fun hang too. So yeah, I've been on it. I think four, four times I've been on it. The, The first time I hadn't even lived in Austin, I was just traveling through and I got on the first time. And the reason I got on is they thought I was a female because
2: i'm sure you guys watch you watch the show now
1: yeah like let's get a lady up here and he starts shuffling through and he's like john nope michael no huh ellie musa and he brings me on and he's like you're not a girl let's see you anyway (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah that was the big that that one got me the most attention like i've been on a few more times but i had a huge influx i still get recognized i mean I don't know exactly what particular episode I get recognized for, but like all the time people are like, oh, Yo, you're from Kill Tony. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's kind
2: of cool. He, he likes to roast you, by the way. That's what I've, I've noticed. Right, right. I
1: mean, he loves roasting everybody, but yeah, he definitely, what did he call me a melted magician last time or something? <laughs> something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, so my God. how often do you sign up for it? You've been there four times?
1: I've been on it four times. Um, I've signed up a, a – sh- can we cuss on this podcast? Yes.
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah, you can. Okay. <laughs> <I was> exactly- <laughs> right, right.
1: Yeah, cause I, I cuss a lot. Um. Yeah, I've, I've signed up a shit ton of times. Um. Mm-hmm. I, it took me a year. So, like, I got on the very first time I signed up because of the, them thinking I was a female.
3: And then <laughs> the second
1: time, I'd maybe signed up, like, four times, five times and got on again. Then it took me a full year of signing up, you know – three times a month so it was like dozens of times before I got on again and then um I got on again in uh just like two months ago something like that and that took like another seven months so not every week though wow. I, haven't, I haven't signed up in like a, a couple of months now I was like I got on last time you know I'm gonna just focus more on getting booked on shows around town and traveling and uh I'll sign up again for it for sure
0: mm-hmm. yeah And uh, what's it like from, like, your perspective, you know, being on stage? It's hard for me, honestly. Yeah, and then you don't know
1: who's on. So I liked it it better at the Vulcan Gas Company. The Mothership Mm. is an amazing club, and the aesthetics and the outlook, I mean, like, um, layout is better for sure. But as a comic, I liked being able to watch it because at Vulcan, you could stand in the corner and watch the show. So you know who Mm. the guest is. You know the vibe of the night. Is it weird? What what have they been joking about? I could say this once I go up. So with the mothership, you go in blindly. I had no idea it was Rogan. I had no idea it was post Malone. You just they just rush you in through the back and you walk on stage. And then like Tony was even like saying things I didn't even know what he was talking about. He's like, Yeah, that last guy and I was just like, I don't know what you're calling back to. <laughs> you know? So from from that standpoint I really I you know I would rather know what I'm going into because yeah because like when I do open mics and when I run shows and stuff I I like talking about stuff in the moment and what right. has gone on like I've right. hosted so many shows and open mics and I don't try to be mean about it but I will do like little roasts about the last comedian mm-hmm. and I'll go on stage and just say something I, I I say don't do material and don't do time in between comedians as a host because that can be just kind of just it's it's annoying when someone starts doing a long bit after every stand up because then it just takes forever but if you just say something just a quick jab or a quick one liner
2: yeah mm-hmm. just to keep the vibe flowing you know and like right 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 up. that's yeah, why i don't I, like
1: these shows where they just they piggyback each other it's a good way to like tighten the time where they call it shotgun mic where mm-hmm. the comedian brings up the next comedian i like okay. when there's a host i feel like hosts are undervalued and underrated when it comes to comedy they actually used to have headliners host shows which i think is a way better way to go about it where a really seasoned veteran comedian Mm -hmm. would start the night off strong be very conversational and then bring up you know like a feature level comedian or even an opener level comedian and then like the stronger headliner closes the show they used to do that in uh they still do that in canada and that's how stand-up used to be like years ago
2: yeah do you think tony maybe should like do that himself
1: uh, you mean on Kill Tony? Yeah. Now Kill Tony's fine the way it is. You know, there's a panel of, of people there, you know, that, that show notes. They've been doing that for so long. I actually signed up for Kill Tony years ago, like 2013 in L.A. when it was wow, in, wow. in the belly room. Because I used to visit L.A., you know, once or twice mm-hmm. a year in, like, the early days of stand-up, and I mm-hmm. performed at the comedy store and some of, like, their little little shows and open mics. Mm-hmm. And I, when Kill Tony was only, like, a year old... I, uh, I signed up for it. So, you know, it was still popular there, but it was nowhere near what it is now. Like, it was just some like little show with, you know, 60 people in the crowd. Yeah. It's the comedy store. This is fun.
2: (laughs) Oh, so do you prefer performing in LA or Texas? Like what's your vibe? Texas Texas for sure. In
1: fact, I love these. Austin can be up and down. Like I love the city of Austin overall. It has its problems, and I complain about it on stage sometimes. But uh, (laughs) there's just so much stand-up here, and there's so many different kinds of people here. But surrounding cities, like some of these blue-collar towns, and just like – you drive an hour in any direction in Austin, there's just people. They're just hardworking people, and they just want to have fun. So you go on stage, and even if you're kind of funny, they just want to laugh. In Austin, there's a lot of people with money, and there's shit to do every night, and they've seen it all. So they're a little bit harder to grab sometimes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely tougher in Austin to, you know, and it varies. There's nights where they're amazing and other times they're just like, you know, we're not impressed.
0: Wow. So you're saying That's... that someone who, who's never seen a stand-up comedy show would laugh more than someone who's like a frequent goer? I would say that, fan. yeah.
1: That's not wow. like a rule, but for sure. Because sometimes, I mean, it all depends on, there's so many different variables because sometimes crowds just suck. Honestly, like it's so weird. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen a list 25 year in, you know, having five specials in comedians that are millionaires go on stage and eat shit because the crowd (laughs) is just tired or weird and they're maybe trying new stuff, but you know, I I was going to, I'm not going to drop names, but uh, yeah, I've, I've, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it took, (laughs) right, right. Because like, because I, I used to go to the the Tempe improv when I lived in Phoenix Mm -hmm. And I just, at the time, I was, like, a year or two into stand-up. And I thought, if you're a household name and you're at a club on a weekend, you're just, you're going to crush 100% of the time. Right. I watched, like, a really talented, good comedian who's had, like, a 30-year career kind of bomb. And, it, like, for a while. And I was just, like, I didn't know these guys could bomb. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: I mean, yeah. Norm Macdonald used to bomb every other time. You know, oh, yeah. It's like. It's such a weird. George thing, Carlin yeah. used
1: to walk auditoriums, you know, if they weren't feeling him. And I'm talking like angry, bitter, like sixty year old George Carlin would right, go up and just let loose, <laughs> start ranting, and they're just like in some small I think it was in North Dakota, there was a story in like oh two thousand and five maybe, he like walked like thousands of people at some theater because he was just unhinged that night. It was like, I'm gonna yell about shit that, you know, <laughs> that pisses me off and i don't care if you find it funny he, 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 here, here's the name i will say i did a comedy festival called the big pine comedy festival in flagstaff shout out to them and mm. uh i don't know if you guys know who nick de is Not no really. he's a very successful comedian out of boston he's mm-hmm. been doing it for years he used to do tough crowd with colin quinn a lot if you remember that gotcha. show. Mm-hmm. and he's very conservative and he doesn't care who knows it And Flagstaff, I guess, is a little more liberal, and he went on stage, and they paid him as, like, the marquee headliner of this festival, and he goes on stage, and he's just ranting about, like, he loves Trump and all this stuff, and he was walking, like, hundreds of people, and he's up there, and he's like, I don't give a shit, the check's been cleared! I've been paid, motherfuckers, and I was standing there. <laughs> <laughs> and he is super funny, but I'm like, he doesn't uh-huh. care that everyone hates him right now. Like, this is kind of empowering.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you think that's like, as like a trait that comedians need to like? Yeah, I know they need some... thick skin, but do you also have to not not care about the audience.
1: There's a diff- there's a line in, like, not caring, because sometimes if you're just abrasive and you're mean and you really don't give a fuck, like, you have to give a fuck a little bit. There's, yeah. there's like, I don't, like, I forget who said it. I think it was Greg Fitzsimmons. Mm-hmm. He's like, just don't be afraid to bomb and don't be afraid to be yourself. And whatever happens after that is it is what it is. But if you're confident in control and you know your ability, you know, and you're actually good at comedy, like, it, it's going to go well. But you don't want to be, like, there don't give a fuck to the point to where you're disrespectful to the audience. And I see that, you know, I've probably been guilty of it before where people get mad if a joke doesn't work and they're like, fuck you guys. Or they think that they can shield the emotion of bombing or people not liking Mm. them by like, if you don't care about me, I don't care about you. Like I absolutely care about the audience and if they're going to have fun or not. And I think that's something a lot of comedians don't appreciate or are aware of. Sometimes we're yeah. so set, and if my set goes good, yay. If my set goes bad, fuck, that sucked. It's like, no, but think about the audience first. And I feel like that, you know, that empowers you more as a stand up. I'm like, we're, we're, yeah, it's the loneliest and most need for a group of, I'm trying to word this properly, like you're standing on stage by yourself. So it, there is like a lonely solo aspect of it, but it requires, mm-hmm. you know, large groups of people in order to make it work. And yeah. I try to be, have more empathy and awareness of the crowd more. So like, you mm-hmm. don't give a fuck to like, you care if people like think a certain thing of you, but really try to please them and make them laugh. If yeah. that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it does. Cause like, and you don't want to doubt yourself based on what their opinion is. And at the right, same right. time, you want to be in service to them. Cause in the end you are getting paid by them to entertain them. Right. Like right, your right. job is to entertain um, absolutely it's it's also like it's supposed to be fun you know you're supposed to be enjoying of course the fact that you're entertaining and they can others. they can
1: kind of sniff it out when you're up there whether you're phoning it in or you know if you're just i, I feel like that if you're not having fun and you like there's a disconnect sometimes w- with the crowd yeah. and somehow they can tell it's so weird because i'm like these jokes have killed a hundred times over but if you're just not feeling it, or if you're too nervous or something, like they can sniff it out. Like, oh, there's something rigid and fake yeah. about this right now.
2: I think like, something w- when that's you're loose imp- and
1: having fun, like there's nothing better.
2: Definitely, I think something that's that can empower a comedian as if he's nervous on stage is actually just claiming it on stage. I oh, was of watching, yeah, I was watching um, the so. He's a Lebanese comedian here in the, the UK. His name is uh, Eddy yeah. Maarouf. Shout out okay. to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was doing. He was uh, opening for another comedian, and at one point, he was. He just said it uh, to everyone. He's like, you can see that I'm shaking. I'm nervous, you know. And right. people just laughed. You know, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like he claimed uh, his emotion, and people like could see it, and they, you know, they resonated with it.
1: Yeah, of course. Acknowledging what is happening is you, I think you need to, because it it can become awkward and uncomfortable if you don't, you know, if something, there's a glaring joke, like it's glaring that you're not doing well or you're nervous or there's, you know, you have, I I feel like that you need to, to bring it up. Um, Yeah, because that's like, it's unnatural. If something weird is going on, just to ignore it, it just feels, just feels strange to me
2: right yeah that's very mm-hmm. true i feel,
1: so I, I feel like when you start to really become a stand-up comedian is when you become yourself you know and it took me mm. it literally took me to like year eight mm. i always had good jokes i would go up and you know do well for the most part if the crowd was there for like for stand-up like comedy ready crowds you know they're, they're gonna laugh more than at a bar or just at some weird showcase Yeah, And once you start being yourself plus jokes, that's when you really start to turn the corner as a standup. And uh, that started for me because I I ran this dive bar open mic in Tucson, Arizona. And it was, (laughs) you know, we got shut down for a while and it was during the pandemic, you know, 2020, 2021. And we'd open intermittently. It's like, we're open now for two weeks. Nope. We got to close down again. The numbers are up. And every time they were open, I was still hosting this open mic, but no comedians would show up because you know, scared of COVID and just so yeah. sometimes it would be just me and I would do just like an hour of just wow. talking <laughs> to like seven drunk people at the bar and I would jab in jokes a little bit and after doing that for a few months I'm just like oh I, I'm like now being me on stage plus jokes yeah you know so I I it, turned the corner for sure
0: would you say it's the amount of time you put into it also that it's like, you have to put in the hours and hours and hours and hours. Oh, yeah, sure yeah. The
1: general rule is you got to be doing stand up for 10 years, but that's a difficult thing to measure because I know so many people that stop right. for a while. They come mm-hmm. back, they stop. I'm just like, you know, I've never really taken like large breaks. I mean, COVID mm-hmm. was probably the biggest one. Other than that, it's always just been like, oh, I haven't been on stage for two weeks or something. But, you know, I've had, I know people that stop for years and then they come back and then they stop for six months and then they come back. It's almost like, yeah, you've been doing it 20 years, but there's someone that's been doing it seven that's put in actual more time on stage than you.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And uh, what do you think about like the, the roast format? Like, um, you know, like Tony can come to you and say, hey, with a face like yours, how are you <laughs> meeting any girls? You know what I mean? And that's right. a mean comment. If I just said that to someone on the street, but what's the difference yeah. between saying it on a street versus saying it in a comedy show? And because like it's more, you know, the context.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, on, on stage it's different because, you know, we're trying to make people laugh. If I were to just mm-hmm. walk up to someone in front of a circle K and be like, wow, you look like a, 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 a you know, you look like <laughs> an autistic Morgan Freeman. Like why? Like, you know, that's just insulting somebody, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a difference between roasting and insulting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like That's I
1: it. remember, David Lucas just roasted me a bunch in the green room out of nowhere. He was just like, "It's a Puerto Rican it or something." I was like, "A Puerto Rican it,
2: <laughs> you know?" <laughs> but um, yeah, the Puerto Rican it, I don't think uh, that doesn't fly, bro. Uh, David right, Lucas right. fucked up on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's I... good at roasting. He's good at roasting Tony, you know. Right, <laughs> right. He's... I think
1: Ali froze on me.
2: He did. Mm-hmm. Ali did froze. Freeze! Did he, fr- yeah. did he freeze for <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he laughed so hard that he just couldn't handle it anymore, man. He had right.
1: I think he seizure. spontaneously combusted.
2: <laughs> he's turning. Yeah, he he's turning red. So I don't know if he like continued turning red and then just go <laughs> Allah Akbar on on live on the show. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, comedy, man. This is a. This is an awkward way to continue oh, this conversation. Right. <laughs>
1: he's, he's out entirely now. His window disappeared.
2: I think gonna, this he'll is he'll a good time to, to roast him, in, right? to be honest. <laughs> right. So, you have your own podcast also, hadi Yes. What got you into podcasting? Okay. To make
1: a... I was going to say to make a long story short, but to make a long story long... Uh, no, here here's the thing. I, I got into stand-up comedy through podcasting, but not in the way that you'd traditionally think because I used to make music.
2: Okay. Uh, what? I
1: used to make rap music and uh, make instrumentals and we would rap and I would sell beats on MySpace, if you remember MySpace. So this yeah. is back in like <laughs> 2009, 2010, right when the Joe Rogan experience was new. Like yes. I saw the first time Joe Rogan ever streamed a podcast because I followed him on Twitter and he just sent out a blast, like, going live. And it was him and Brian Redman for the first uh, Joe Rogan experience ever. Yeah. And then I started listening to that every day or every time he released one. And we were doing music. I was like, we should do a podcast, too. You know, we listen to Joe Rogan all the time. Let's just, you know, switch our lanes a little bit. We can't just do only music. So we started recording a podcast, me and this other dude um, who's in prison now. But that's an, that's an even longer story. <laughs> yeah. And we would – um. We'd record a podcast, not even about our music, you know, smoking weeds, talking shit. And people yeah. all the time would tell me I was funny or you should try stand up. Or I would do like random impressions and stuff. They're like, Have you ever done stand up? And then after like the fifth time, I was like, You already told me that. I said, No, like, no, I didn't. I was like, Oh, another person is telling me to do stand up. So I just started hitting open mics and then, uh, you know, just got the bug, got addicted to it and just kept at it and then it took me till 2020 because i was like i need to start a podcast again and then when the pandemic happened and we couldn't do anything i was like i'm finally gonna start my own podcast and
2: uh i haven't stopped
1: yeah my 200th episode will be coming out next week so
2: well fuck yeah man that's great yeah sticking to it and like staying consistent
1: that's the same thing with comedy too sticking with it is everything there's so many i've met so many comedians that were brilliant that just quit they could yeah. have figured it out. They could have, like, I'm talking that were really funny, and they got a job, they got married, they had a kid. They just couldn't take the just the grind and the rejection and the longevity it takes to get anywhere. Yeah, and um, I get, it. I have empathy and understand, but you know, it's
3: yeah, what's your a perspective on
2: that? Uh, on that, like, these decisions that you have to make in your life between following your dream or choosing a career.
1: I mean, I'm definitely more of the follow your dream, but sometimes you got to be realistic because there's, that's a difficult question because I meet a lot of people that I'm just like, some, some people just don't have it. And I don't want to say that to be mean because I've seen people that were objectively bad at comedy for years and they figured it out. You know, yeah. they stuck at it so hard, but there's sometimes it's just like you're really just wasting your time. I know that's a mean thing to say, but there's going to be some of that. So I'm yeah. like, it might be time to hang it up and get a job, or just figure something else out. You know, I'm not saying to never do comedy again or never seek out a goal or go after some form of a dream, but you know, mm-hmm. you have to be realistic. Life isn't a movie. You know, it's not just just like you know, just fuck off for your entire you know young adulthood trying to go after something that clearly isn't going to pan out. You know, yeah. but anything's possible, and, and everyone is you know can do what they feel like is best for them because like i said i've seen some people really turn it around and who am i who am i to tell you not to do it either (laughs) at the same time as what i just said i'm like if it was up to me i'd say probably you know go back to school or something but you know if they don't i respect it still just to keep at it
2: you know it's 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 something that i i constantly also have to think about because um I keep getting told different perspectives, mainly the, pers- actually I keep getting told the perspective of the career, you know, just cause it's safer and all that, all that shit. But it's, it doesn't, it doesn't stick in my head. You know, like I, I enjoy, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy being in debates. I enjoy making jokes. I enjoy those aspects of my, of my life. But then, if someone wants to put me behind a desk and just tell me, like, okay, these are the list of tasks you have to accomplish today, just do this, you know, repeat the right. same process based on what everyone else is doing. It really, it really kills you. It, it just drains it your drains soul. You,
1: yeah, it's soul sucking. So, so there's a balance that you have to have. Like, do you want to be miserable doing something that gives you security, or do you want to take a chance on something to where it might, really impact your livelihood and paying bills and you know yeah it's 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 hard you know there's a long
2: I'm, there's a long list of rejections that you have to face oh and a lot of gosh. risk that you have to take before yeah. you actually get somewhere
1: absolutely yeah i mean there's it, like i said specifically with stand-up it's the most you know it's the most unusual thing because you, you could be one yes away from your life changing or you could yeah. be on the path 10 more years of really not getting anywhere. You know, it's, it's – but as long as you love doing it and, you know – I know so many people that like, you know, live in their car or are in their 30s with multiple roommates and they're still going for it. And I have respect for those people, you yeah. know, because – if you love it enough, you know, you'll put yourself through stuff that normal people wouldn't. That's that's another thing, now that you bring that up. I've met comedians that easily were on their way to a fulfilling career and getting somewhere. They just don't like the, uh, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to think of the word here. You know, it's it's difficult when you don't have the security, is what I'm trying to
2: say. Yeah. Like, uh, and speaking of security, here we have Mr. Carrier. He's back, Back the, Oh, with
1: the cat in the background. I got cats around here too. If they wake up,
2: I'll introduce you to them. <laughs> Welcome back, Ali. We were just okay. Sorry talking about, about the uh, your yeah, safety the issues. Oh no,
1: you're good. You're good. We were roasting. Are you, you, are for you safe like and secure,
2: Ali? Are you good?
0: <laughs> I feel <laughs> I've been in trouble. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> when you make too many mistakes, that's what happens. You get fucked up when you mess around with this kind of people right here. Right, <laughs> right. <what> happens.
1: <laughs> Homeland Security was knocking on your door because of that. I think that's what you got interrupted with. <laughs>
0: you know, Ali, you know when I was a kid living in Lebanon and I wanted to move to the United States, everyone used to tell me, your name is Ali. You're going to never have a career here. You're never going <laughs> to... Really? Everyone's racist. Yeah, literally that's what everyone used to tell me. Everyone used to discourage me from being... For moving to America because, wow, they say, well, you're Arab, and so they don't like Arabs, and so there's no way you're ever gonna succeed in anything. That's, look at me now. That's
1: victim mentality.
2: That is victim mentality. But you Ali, know. I think you also learned the, the white man's voice, and that's why you're doing so well. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Bro, I swear to God, you should have heard him the other day. Like, we were having, we were just having a meeting about the, the podcast, and then he's like, oh, wait, I have to do a phone call. And his, his voice instantly switches because he's talking to some Karen on the phone. And hey, he's Rebecca.
0: Like, hey, how's your day hey. going? <laughs> yeah? Okay. Yeah, I'll be coming in later.
1: <laughs> that's la- Are you one of those people to where when you get upset, the, the, the accent starts to come out? Eh, yeah, Habibi. Like, what, <laughs> Ruth, are, what are you, are you talking are... about that's going to cost me $100? <laughs> yes,
0: exact. And I have to roll it back a bit. Right, yeah, exactly. right, right. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, for you, like, there wasn't any, like, Libyan comedian. What made you think you even had a chance of success if no one else before you has ever done it?
1: Right. Well, you missed a pretty in-depth conversation about how I started stand-up and, you know. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh,
2: so wow. I was... Bro, he was a rapper. That. He went from yeah, wow. to 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 Joe Rogan a rapper to wrestlers to to... So, I, I'll, his partner is in jail for some reason. I can't believe <laughs> I, I missed all that. <laughs> I, I'll
1: give you the quick cliff notes really fast so the listeners <laughs> don't have to go through that again. <laughs> started, <laughs> off, started off as a rapper, and then we were listening to the Joe Rogan experience all the time. And we're like, let's start a podcast as well. During the podcast, you know, our 22 listeners would always tell me I was funny and I should try stand-up. So started doing stand-up, and it was because of the Joe Rogan experience, but not because I wanted to be a comedian at all. We were rappers, started a podcast because of his podcast. People told me I was funny. Boom, started comedy.
0: Wow. That's a cliffhanger right there. Right, right. Mm -hmm. You know, we had um, like a guy who was like a philosopher, psychologist guy on the podcast. And he was telling us that like stand-up is like the highest art form because it really gets everyone in a room laughing together. Right. Described it like a spiritual experience, you know? Yeah, they come like –
1: yeah, there's definitely there's a weird like connection and energy that you feel. It's just like it there's nothing else like it. Like it is yeah. like not to be cliché, but it almost is like a drug. Like it really is. Like there's times where I'll do like a really excellent show in front of like several hundred people and I kill and it's hard to go to sleep that night. You you feel like hyped up and just the adrenaline takes a while to uh so it's like did I I should have just done a line of meth and I could have just skipped the
2: show, you know? <laughs> It, it also the energy stays with you for days it doesn't only it's not only for that night you can feel right, it right, right. coursing through you for the next couple of days for sure so, and speaking of energy like do you feel like comedians might be like one of the most emotionally intelligent people out there 100 percent. that I've,
1: i really think that too and it's it's the biggest thing that i mean i knew in school too just going through high school some of the smartest people i met were just like the rejects who would who would skip class all the time, but then when you talk to them, they're super intellectual. They have like the the most you know intelligent vocabulary. I'm like, how are you failing every class? And, you're just... <laughs> <laughs> and then I then I meet comedians that are just like in and out of dead end jobs, you know, barely uh, scraping by. They have multiple roommates, and then they're just so articulate and smart. And they go on stage, and just the things that they say, I'm just like, they're clearly smarter than like the average person, I would say. But, you know, if you were to measure it by like, oh, what's their education? What's their success and money and all that? And it's just, yeah. Comedians are definitely, I feel like, you know, on the more intelligent side. And you would just think, yeah. oh, just some dude ranting on stage about his penis is probably dumb as fuck, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's smart dick jokes out there. It's crazy. Like, wow, how did you yeah. think of that?
2: I-, I remember we also had a guest in the past um, tell us, about this um, this ex- controlled experiment they did on a bunch of people that have high IQs, right. where to to measure like their the the success they attain in their lives, and what they notice is the majority of them don't end up becoming like very successful people. They're just like normal right. people in life, because yeah. intelligence doesn't measure success. It's more of like, it's it's the motivation factor that you mm. need the hard work. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of
0: people
1: are too smart to get into something they're going to hate too, I feel like because it's just like, Oh, I could easily use my intelligence to go into this company into this field of work and probably excel. But I just don't want to live like that.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you ever have like, a, something like that, like a job you think you could have done, but then you just I have mean, somebody uh... instead Nothing
1: like big time, but I had like a pretty mm-hmm. decent pay. I remember when I, because I was t- telling you guys at the beginning, i quit so many jobs. I had this mm-hmm. job in maybe it was <laughs> 2014 and I had been living in Phoenix for like a year and, you know, just mostly doing open mics, but starting to get booked at some of the clubs a little bit. And I had this job called being a conformance tester. It's where you check phone lines throughout the city. You go into these alleyways and you use this machine and you plug it in to phone lines and you can like. You could actually listen in on people talking on their phones too, which was fun. They're like never saying (laughs) – I would say the meanest shit to people and just like pull it out real fast and just be like, But um, this is 2014 and I was making like $25 an hour. That's not bad for – 10 years ago for a person with no real experience. And I was working full time too. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had like benefits and everything. I remember one day I just quit that job. I was just like I don't want to do this. I have a gig – you know, I, I have to be up at six. Well, they wanted me to start getting up at five in the morning. I couldn't do it anymore. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, now I'm going to getting three hours, four hours of sleep. And uh, it was in the sun in the Phoenix weather too, in the summer. Oh, shit. So it's like 118. Yes. And I get so dark when I'm in the sun. So like my act, that, <laughs> like, that whole three months I had that job. My act was how I'm just a new ethnicity every time I take the stage. Cause I was getting darker <laughs> and darker. But yeah, I could have stuck with that. You know, and who knows where that would have taken me. I could have still been there and been like, oh, I'm like the, uh, you know, co-manager of this big section of the company in Phoenix and I make $200,000 a year or something.
2: Mm-hmm. I thought of, I thought of like a random comment when you said the different ethnicities thing. I was going to say like Fifty Shades of Libyan or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's hilarious.
0: So um, for you, what's – um like the top of comedy for you, was it Joe Rogan that got you into up? you said? One I mean, one, uh, who inspired you the most?
1: This is a weird one too, because no one ever brings him up. And I, it's, he wasn't like a gigantic, like, Oh, this is the guy that I, you know, that's made me really want to be a comedian. But the first time I knew I loved stand up comedy was Dana Carvey.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: If you know him from SNL back in the day, and totally. it, uh, you know, um, what was the movie he did with Mike Myers? Wayne's World, all that. But he exactly. had this he had yeah. this special on uh, Comedy Central that they used to show all the time. And this is like 1998. And it used I used to watch, I probably watched it like 30 times because it would come on. And I didn't even know, he was talking about like politics and shit too. And I didn't even know what he was talking about. But his act outs and his voices were so silly that I would roll on the ground laughing so hard that I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. And every time I watched it, I laughed that hard. And then, so that's like my earliest memory of being like, you know i that would be fun to do you know yeah and george carlin as well i actually got to see him totally. live when i was wow when i was 19 oh. i got to see him live um wow yeah a couple of years before he died oh you got oh lucky uh, you, an- um, you another one too is uh an- one of my ma- major influences too is doug stanhope if you guys Okay, yeah, totally. Yeah. Of course. So yeah. I've had the opportunity wow. to go to his house a bunch of times and do shows with him because he uh oh, he lives in he lives in Bisbee, Arizona. So I, I bought one of his mm-hmm. albums when I was like sixteen. The album had th- this is why I bought it. This shows how I love horror movies and I'm deranged. There was a dead an actual dead body on the album cover. And it was <laughs> it was called Die Laughing. And there's like a photo from like the Vietnam War or something of like clearly a dead dude, and I love the album so much that and then years later I'm doing stand-up in Tucson, Arizona. Doug Stanhope does this competition called Funniest Person in Arizona. And it's a mock competition making fun of mm-hmm. contests because contests are mostly bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh especially yeah. in something like comedy as well. You know, it's not like there's no totally. real measurement of like who's better at this. You know? And he just made a mock competition where we all got to do one minute and him and a panel of judges sat up there and it was this is in front of like eight hundred people. So I, got, I sent some video. I got accepted to do this contest. And then we partied with Doug Stanhope, got to meet him. And then he started doing annual Super Bowl parties at his house in Bisbee, Arizona, which is just like an hour and a half uh, south of Tucson. And we would do comedy in his backyard. and then wow. he would, yeah. And then he would come Whoa. up and crash open mics all the time in Tucson. We'd be doing a regular open mic on a Thursday night. Doug Stanhope just walks in with a drink in his hand and just hangs out. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, that's that's been one of the highlights of my life as a comedian. And he here's what I say about Doug Stanhope. He is a top five living comedian amongst other comedians. If you talk mm-hmm. to comedians that are really I'm talking even the best headliners in the world. I feel like he's top five living the respect really? that he gets. In, yeah. Yeah.
2: So what is your top five list? I really don't have one,
1: honestly. But I, I know I just. You threw really got Doug there, man.
2: You got to have know. I know. I'm
1: saying, I'm saying that he's probably like <laughs> top five living mm-hmm. amongst comedians as far as the, the respect factor goes. The
0: comedian's okay.
1: comedian. I love Joey mm-hmm. Diaz, too.
0: Yeah, I would love yeah, to see
1: Joey him. Yeah, Joey Diaz, man. I got, got to open for him a few there. times.
0: What? Wow. Yeah.
1: No way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, That's Legendary. Sounds like well, I'm you're bragging. The dream, man. No. No. <laughs>
0: it's yeah, I mean. Because you're. A regular guy, you know, getting into stand up and then meeting the heroes, you know, it's, right, uh, right. it's an inspiring journey, you know,
1: for sure. And totally. here's the thing I'll, I'll be, you know, transparent and not act like, oh, I'm so funny. Joey Diaz pick, I asked him on Facebook one day, oh, you're coming to the Tempe improv. Can I open for you? And he said, yes. And I was like, <laughs> he said yes. And then, and then I followed up with, this is like 2016. I followed up with, he said, yeah, you can open. I said, cool who's featuring and he's like don't worry about it i said you could open i was like okay (laughs) (laughs) And he was so cool i got to do it a few times over the years um at the tempe improv and uh yeah he's he's one of my favorites for sure he he makes me laugh i mean i i feel like that you could say that technically there's people that are maybe better at like the traditional art of Mm -hmm. stand-up like you know how locked in they are to like set up punchline just jokes but as far as someone just being pissed off and ranting he might be my favorite <laughs> <laughs> totally so is he a you better know, ranter
2: think... than uh george carlin <laughs>
1: um it's different for sure I, I i think they're both up there i it'd be hard to choose i joey diaz's ranting makes me laugh more though
3: mm-hmm. i mean george There's carlin's well, yelling about think. the gover- government
1: being corrupted yeah. it, joey diaz is talking about you know the shape of a woman's vagina when he was twelve years old, or something, you know. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: uh, I've always wondered, like, what's it like with the whole comedian drama bit? I just always see that comedians are always arguing with each other, and there's it's, yeah. it's high school
1: it's, for broken adults. <laughs> it, it really is. Why?
0: I, I, but why? I don't
1: know. I I feel like high school, sp- high school reflects like other aspects and points in your life as well. And it's just with comedians, you know, it's just, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is, but you know, a lot of, you know, let's be honest, mentally ill, unstable, unhinged people that are doing something <laughs> fucking crazy and there's egos involved and there's competition involved, unfortunately. And then it just, people collide, you know? And, uh, the, I, I've seen when I lived in, when I lived in Phoenix, there was two comedians who both ran uh, comedy clubs and they were like in their late forties, early fifties at the time. And they would threaten to f- fight each other on Facebook. And <laughs> one of the other clubs started becoming more successful and they were clearly breaking fire code. Like this room should have held like one hundred and fifty, and he was packing it with like over 200. So we called the fire marshal on them and the fire fire department shows up in the middle of a, fire packed out show and gives them a violation and then they go back to facebook and challenge each other to a fist fight i'm like these are like grown men you know in their 50s like this is crazy Mm
2: -hmm. bro just poke him bro just poke him on facebook don't have to right right yeah that's the way
0: to do it does it make you ever want to be more dramatic or such i've
1: avoided drama for the most part i've been holding to it a little bit but i've never been that person you know i'm just like you know i focus on being funny and just getting funnier and being professional too and showing up to to do my thing you know a lot mm-hmm. of there is a lot of politics and a lot of unfairness, but that's life and you know and you know I just never care to just get into the uh dramatic argumentative totally. aspect of stand up because there's too much of it for sure
0: mhm that's something you've yeah. been also talking about for the podcast too in terms of like how much are you willing to in order to get, like, a quick boost or a quick clicks, you know? I mean, there's like, there's, like, backstabbing
1: yeah. and people trying to steal each other's shows. That's a big thing that's happened over the years. Someone will be like, mm-hmm. oh, you're, you're paying him this much? I'll do it for half. Wow. People try to snake rooms from each other.
2: Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I guess that's where the, the immigrant discussion comes in as well. <laughs> <laughs> They're
1: taking
0: our jobs.
2: <laughs> right.
0: No, Ben. So what do you think, Saeed It's been another podcast with Ali Musa.
2: Yeah, we just need to find a way to uh end it with a roast. A roast battle. Oh, okay. Also, <laughs> so, uh,
1: <yeah. laughs> uh, follow me on YouTube @AliUSA86. I post stand-up clips, cat videos, I do live game streaming on there.
0: Nice. And, uh,
1: my podcast, the Ali USA podcast and you know. Wait,
2: what do you game? Perfect. Man?
1: I've been uh, I've been trying well, – I've gamed like so – I got this gaming laptop last year, and uh, I'll do like some of the newer Resident Evil games. But I do a lot of old school Sega Genesis Super Nintendo games, and I suck at them really bad. Yeah. I don't force emotion, but people think it's funny when I'm like getting my ass kicked and getting mad about it. So like
0: there's a lot of that
1: <laughs> on there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why the right. Sega Genesis games though, why not? I grew, like, that's like, I'm a 90s kid. I grew
1: up I grew up playing Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, and there's just something fun and nostalgic about it. That
2: totally. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So now for the roast button. Ali, you you get first mic. you can uh, start roasting us and then we'll, we'll return fire.: Oh geez, oh my man. goodness. Uh,
0: all right. <laughs> I see you have sponge, I see you have SpongeBob on your shirt. What are you gay?. <laughs> <The SpongeBob's- laughs> That's for that's for you, Saeed.
2: Oh wait, that's me. Yeah. Huh? Oh yeah, that's yes. me.
1: Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Said looks like he harasses women in malls in
2: a in a kiosk. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> wait, how did you know? That's my part time job. Part part time
0: job.
2: Yeah, I do it on Saturdays and Sundays. You know, sometimes I I harass your mom as well. No, I'm joking. Sorry, I'm not very good. That's at, big uh, words for people. someone who wears shitty cologne to bed. <laughs> hey, man, I'm just trying to stick to my ethnicity. You know, I just gotta stick with the <laughs> with the, the color coding that I'm I'm given. I'm not uh, like I'm not white. I'm visa white. It's, visa gotta, white. It, that should be the name of your next
1: podcast. Visa white. <laughs> <laughs> it's yep, that, that is true.
0: <laughs> nice. Well, well, Ali, Ali but, uh, you, you mind roasting like... the guest, not me? <laughs> like, <laughs> <All right. laughs> why am I getting roasted? <laughs> he's our guest. We're supposed to train him good, Ali. You know. Oh yeah, that's he's... true. That's true. I mean, he's pretty buff. He's pretty swole. You know, it impresses <laughs> me. I don't know if it impresses girls, but it doesn't impress me.
2: Well, bro, I'm, I'm just, try- I'm just looking girl, for the. So is your <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm just looking for the the moment you catch on kill twenty where you just don't bomb anymore. Boom! There we go. <laughs> <laughs> next time jeez <laughs> hey, 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 hey i had to 2v1 i had to shoot with the, the big guns I, I, and ali the professor trying to look like a fucking saturday night uh, saturday night <laughs> live host or some shit i don't know right mm-hmm. or no so, looks sorry like an
3: update <laughs>
0: yeah, He totally.
1: looks like he hosts his own game show at a nursing home
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually not wrong <laughs> yeah exactly
2: what's the audience like bro how's the vibe <laughs> they're just eating their soup like, uh, like, a lot of diarrhea oh <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> you
2: ever make someone laugh so
0: much that they poop yeah exactly that's my specialty
1: that should be my goal once that happens <laughs> i'll quit comedy i'll be like i'm done i've achieved it all what else what's the point of doing this anymore
2: <laughs> you can retire man if that happens yeah you're just done. <laughs> <laughs> all,
0: right. all right sides well
2: all right guys so
0: another podcast
2: yeah, yeah. Another Thank podcast. you for having me. That, that
1: was a lot of fun. Honestly, oh, Thank you, cool. Ali. No, here,
2: it's buddy. been great having you on as well. Thank you. And uh, you guys, this has been another podcast on A2 The Show. We've had Ali Musa. We've had some great laughs. We've shown him his uh, true birth parents from the start. Ali, the professor, has his cat with us. We had a, a special <laughs> guest. And this is how we sign out. <laughs> Salute to the camera. Cover- <laughs> <laughs>
0: High five! Yes!
3: <laughs>